So, Tammy, yes. let's jump straight in. Yes. When you clean and jerk 98 kilos. Yes. And it's a successful lift. Yes. And you drop it to the floor. Yes. What's the first thing in your mind? Um, right, so let's bring back to that moment. Um, oh my God, I have never even thought of that. And actually how I felt. Uh, I, I always knew I had the clean and jerk. I knew, I knew going into that competition that I was going to medal. Regardless on what the outcome is, I was going in for a medal. But nobody knew except for myself and my coach. So to me, I have visualized that over and over and over and over. So to me, doing that lift, I'm like, oh, I just did it. Yeah. But the second, obviously, you guys watched, um, the second lift I did was the 98 clean and jerk. And that was a slight bit elbow rebent. I didn't know what was going on. They never told me what weight was on the bar. I said, don't tell me. And I didn't know what weight was on. I thought it was 97. I didn't know I was going out for a medal. They never told me. That's crazy. I, yeah. How were your PBs at the time? They don't really want You don't want to say, oh, I, okay. I'm You're sorry. Okay, okay. I don't want to say because my numbers are pretty close to where the Olympics is. Okay. And I was just kind of giving my numbers away. I'm sorry. Oh. Is that okay? Sorry about that. One hundred percent. I don't want to give secrets away for now, but maybe afterwards I can give you like a full on. But the numbers that I did at Europeans, I do that on in train on a regular basis. So I knew I was coming in for a medal. Nice. Um, but when I dropped that weight, I was like, I did that. Okay. And then, you know, the always bubbly, giddy side of me, I jumped. That's just me expressing joy. I'm always giddy. I'm funny. And then it really hit then because I didn't know I was going out for the medal. Okay. They okay. never told me. Oh, no. No, they so never told me. Is it literally as you're turning back around to walk back in and you see it's yes. 98? Yes, I heard Mark screaming going, yes, yes. And everyone's screaming. I'm like, oh, shit. I just medals. Who was in the back room with you? Um, it was Coach uh, Biata and Harry. Harry has been in the behind the scene for a long, long time, so he got very emotional when I seen him like crying, being hysteric, his hands up. I said, "Right, we just medaled." But I knew I was going into medal, but I wasn't really sure if that secured the medal or not. And then uh, when he was like screaming, I was like, "Did I actually medal?" And then it hit me then, and I just start bursting out crying. That is unbelievable. Oh, getting emotional now. So that's our first senior yes. medal in weightlifting at an international competition. So yes, female as well. Yeah, yeah. But it's the first of either sex from. So no one else has a senior medal. Clarence had the European juniors, yeah. and before that, nothing of significance. And that Europeans was the first Olympic qualification event for this yes. training. So yes, this Olympic cycle. So yes, that's massively competitive. Yes. It's crazy. Yes. Um, we knew, a, well, I was told a year in advance that you're going into medal. My coach has told oh, no me a year in advance. Um, I didn't really believe, but I've been, tell, I've been told every single day in training, you're going into medal. And I just believed it then. And we just got the work done. Yeah. That was it. Amazing. Yeah. Now you're talking about, so every day when you're in training, you're, you said you'd visualised it hundreds of times, right? Yes. And as like a sports like person, yeah. for me, that's like straight away. What's it look like when you're visualising it? Oh, <laughs> um, see, I have a really good sports psychologist. So we do 
and I see him once a week. Okay. So we do that technique all the time. And the thing is that uh, I failed it so many times in my head. And then I started to get it, get it, get it. And then I visualize it. So it's like literally a, le- um, a learning path. And then once I did in my head, I can do it on the bar. So are you seeing failed reps in your head? You weren't always yes, naming Yes, absolutely. It. Like training today, obviously with good reps comes with failure. You have to fail, fail, fail to know what you have done wrong in. And then you make the lift like today, yeah. prime example. So yeah, of course, absolutely. I have visualized that and it kind of gains confidence for me. Don't have confidence at the start, but it takes time for you to, you know, practice and learn, visualize then, and then I get the lift. One really thing from a really interesting thing from training today was as you were warming up for your with the paracleans and the push press, I asked at one point, I think you were around 73 kilos. Mm. I asked at one point, I said, How does it feel? And you just said, I don't think about how it feels until I get to the working sets. Mm. Is that kind of mindset of, like that steely mindset, the really kind of straight line, laser focus. Have you always had that or is that something you worked on? No. Uh, coach has drilled that into me, especially because I'm a girl, um, female, hormones, emotions, high, up, down, up, down, everything like that. Um, I did used to struggle with that a lot before I'd come into training and I'm emotionally drained, obviously because I'm a mom there as well. And uh, coming in, I'm just tired and I'm like, oh, coach, I don't really feel good. So obviously him, he says in the nice possible way, he does, he's not like very blunt. He's like, no, no, shut the fuck up. He's not like that. He says, look, just do what you can. But then he actually really sat me down one day and says, before you touch the bar or get onto the weight, I used to always complain before, like, oh, I'm not really feeling this and that. Then I do really, really well. So he said, like, maybe just stop with that attitude. If you feel good, keep going, say nothing. But the, the sets that matters the most is the ones that are at the end. So you can do warm up really, really good, but then you might not make the lift. But you can warm up really, really bad, then make the lift. So to me, warming up doesn't really matter. If it feels good, feels great. Great, I'll take up on it. But that warm-up that just never gets to me personally yeah you bring up one of the major aspects or one of the the kind of major things with your success is you're obviously a mother of two kids yes what's the daily life like looking after kids making sure they're they're looked after and then going training like a professional athlete because you've you have what two and a four-year-old approximately yes yes so this is this year when you won the yes. senior medal just to be yeah. clear so you're deep into it for two kids yes oh gosh um, I'm in the middle of it now so I don't really know what I'm feeling I feel a bit numb with everything right now I'm not gonna lie um, it's tough it's very hard and I haven't spoken about this but this is me emotionally because especially coming to my kids it's very tough. Mike, I just want to make my kids proud and my husband proud. So I don't want to start a dream and then my kids, sorry, I'm just getting, I don't want to start a dream and show them what I have started 
and then coming to the middle of it and saying, oh, mommy's tired today. She doesn't want to go training. That's no example I want to set for my kids. And me at the moment now juggling, it's so, so hard. I'm sometimes mentally fatigued. Mm-hmm. Mentally fatigued in not only being a mom, mentally fatigued in owning businesses and hiccups happening. And then that leads to then being tired going into training. And obviously that leads to then, remember, we were talking about the warm up. So obviously you have to block all that out. But yeah, it's, it's tough. I'm not any other ordinary athlete out there. As you can tell, um, they come home, they rest, probably put an ice pack on, watch a movie, chill, maybe go to work a slight little bit. You get to chill, whatever you want, shower. No, the minute I come home, make sure, did the kids eat today? Uh, what time to get home at? Was school okay? What time are you going to shower at? What do you want to eat did for dinner? Make my dinner and then shower them, feed them, put them to bed. And then I get me time and then I get rest. So you can imagine it's like another job after a job and then after a job. Is it work, your husband, is he a good sports system as parents of that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I wouldn't be here today without my husband. Like, I I don't even know what to say. What like, kind of, what's he help you with? What's kind of, and do you notice it the most? He is my therapist. He runs CrossFix. Um, so basically we started off uh, opening obviously across the Oil here and uh, he was always into fitness and then he sold his gym then and moved then into a therapist and one it was so strange and I'm going to talk about um, you know the universe I don't know if you believe in all this shit crap but I fucking do there definitely doesn't do you not I want to convince you today I'm, I'm all ears sorry I, I'm all ears he never judged Oh, really? Um, But yeah, just how coincident that he started doing all the courses as I turn around and I said that I want to go back and try and qualify for the Olympics. And now um, I was literally his guinea pig for everything. But we have learned so much so fast because I'm getting niggles here, there and there. So um, he's my rock, honestly. He, myself, only myself and him knows the real behind the scene work. Only he knows when I come home from training, I'm mentally fatigued. Sometimes like I start crying and I'm like, I don't know what I want to do with this anymore. And he's like, just keep going. Like he sees the real behind the emotions, the the stress that comes out of me. So like explaining all this at the moment now is... I'm in the process, so I can't really explain it. But without him, I would not be where I am today. Yeah. You know, just on Mark's case there, it's um, it's very uncommon or unusual for the, I suppose in most scenarios, it's very rare that the male at least, or the male is behind the scenes and being super supportive, you know, because a lot of men just kind of wouldn't be able to or kind of rationalise that a little bit. A lot of times egos would get in the way. Yes. You know, to be seen as a, almost emasculating that yes. he's so supportive of you yes. being a female at least yes. pushing yourself for that you know it takes yes. a, lot, a lot I totally understand that but I have given Mark his time and now I demand my time back 
it's, it's weird. He was like into high CrossFit as well. And when he went to compete in like away, I always support him. And no matter what he did, what he wanted. Yeah, yeah. I always, always says, you should go for it. Absolutely go for it. And then we went and he went to competitions and I went supported him. Obviously, because when we first met then, um, when we first met, uh, I stopped weightlifting. Obviously, I had I had two kids, got married, and he was still kind of doing training. I would never stop that. Mm-hmm. So when I turned around to him and I says, I want to come back, he kind of knew that, right, my time is done. And to be honest, he's 12 years older than me, so he can't be born. Yeah, he's old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, he looks like a 20 year, but like age will come to you he's as well. Like, to he's a yeah. insane. Yeah, he's great now. He is in. You need to shape. put a photo of him and yeah, he's here. His back is like Luzo Jones. It's insane. <laughs> he was doing a hydrox workout earlier. Yeah. And I just walked behind him as he's doing like box jumps or box step ups. And I was like, what in the name of God? You know, it's a bit like a brick shit house and yeah. shred. Yes. He, he looks after his body a lot. His nutrition is A1. Yes, like, he's like that twenty four seven. And Mark really looks after himself. As like, because uh, he knows whatever's not good for his body, he won't put into it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so yeah. he really looks after us. Yeah, Tammy. Yeah, this is along the same lines, there, right? But yes, a lot of time, like we're in CrossFit gyms constantly, mm. and you'll see a lot of couples that kind of train together. Yeah, and it's funny. There's always this kind of dynamic of like, oh. I can't be the person to tell him that or I can't be the person to tell her that if there's like something going wrong or they need a coaching cue. Do you have any advice for people like that if they're like maybe training with their partner as to how that, how to keep that dynamic sweet, you know? Oh, um, dynamic sweet. Or maybe there is no solution to that. You don't need to interact, to be honest. No. Yeah. Um, Oh, like Mark's trained for high rocks. I'm trained for Olympic weightlifting. I do listen to Mark um, in the sense that he's my therapist. We know when to switch. And if there's something wrong with me in training, I'm so focused in training and I have a coach. I personally don't believe my husband should be my coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, helping in the background, knowing behind the scene work, all that, I totally get it. But emotion, personal and like family get in the way, you don't listen to them. So I can't really give somebody advice on that. To me, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But that's the reason why I got I got coach. Um. But we don't interact in training. He knows when I'm coming to training, I'm training. And if there was any moral support, he would come over to me. If I needed anything, anything wrong with my body, he sees there's anything wrong. This is a therapist coming over to me. Um. I don't look at him as my husband when I'm in training. To be honest, that's the best piece of advice is if it? you give yeah, someone. I think so. This is like you're literally living this life of trying to make it to the Olympics. You're competing internationally constantly. Yes. If someone, if that's the advice you give, that's the best. Is it? Possible. To me, I was like, I don't really know what advice to give somebody for that. Uh, but known when to draw the line. Obviously, there was a point that when we this all was starting, and I and he'd be trying to tell me what to do with this exit. I'd be like this. And then, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I wouldn't do the exercise. And he's like, did you do the exercise I gave you? I said, no. And he actually sat me down and he says, if you want to do this properly, and you're not even paying me for this. And he's like, if you want to do this properly, you have to listen to me like a therapist. 
like I'm your actual rehab specialist. I'm your nutritionist and uh, thing because I'm serious about this. So then when he really sat me down and he says, take me as obviously like your therapist, then I look at him as a therapist point. But then obviously when we're at home, he's my husband. So it's a change then. You, you get me? So I think that probably brings up a good point as well as that you not only are you a mother of two and you're kind of money coach, your coach was a kind of acquired by yourself, but you don't actually, up until recently, didn't get any funding or very, very little funding from weightlifting Ireland or the, the Olympic Council. Yes. Yes, I am. I was all self-funded. And this, to me, I have not spoken about this. And I, and I said, when time is right, I feel like this moment is right now. So I'm going to be, I want to complete openly speak about it. Um, I had doubts, a lot of doubts. Uh, answering, like questioning myself, why? Why in the fucking God am I, did I turn around on this? Um, I invested a lot of money. Number one, um, and a lot of time. So I pay my coach a full-time wage and I still do. For you to move to America and start a new life for two, three years, you know the cost that's going to have to come into it. So I put, pay him a full-time wage. I pay for his accommodation and I pay for any international fees every time we go to the likes of a taxi and an airplane I am a federation yeah for a coach which is an enormous amount of money for an athlete yeah like yes incomprehensible for most weightlifters to think about doing yes I think as well with the frequency of international competitions that's a budget the most uh, amateur rugby clubs or GA clubs you're talking about it's a similar level of budget as you for one individual athlete yeah Give you a prime example of going to Colombia cost me nearly ten grand for one competition. Oh God, for everyone, for me, uh, coach and Mark, and I did fucking shit. Oh my God! I cried my eyes out in the hotel. Yeah, and Mark's like, "It's okay," and it says, "Mark, I'm after wasting so much money," and he's like, "It's fine, don't stress about." I'm like, "I did this." you know like I this is my reason why and that's only one little part Mm -hmm. of one competition so you can imagine outside of that yeah and me not going into work cost me a lot of money as well and on top of that of course you've you and Mark have time away for your kids as well which is and time from the kids as well so like during all and especially after Columbia I it hurt me. It really hurt me because I internally did that. Like, I competed bad. I had nobody to blame other than me, you know? I wasn't com- uh, confident coming out. Um, had a fucking clue what I was doing. Um, my adrenaline was going up, down, up, down. And I, cu- I thought that it was... Remember what they were, they were saying about... Um, the altitude. The altitude. Yeah. But I have never felt that dumb. I was like, Mark was behind the scene and I turned around to Mark and I said like, slap me in the face or something. What the fuck's wrong with me? I'm like, slap me, slap me, quick, quick, quick. And just try to wake up. Yep. I didn't know what was going on. So um, just after the first slash, basically, I lost confidence and then that was it. 
it was everything was a blur. But I had nobody to blame. Your coach isn't gonna lift the bar for you. You're gonna not you're not gonna lift the bar for Dara. It's you that lift the bar for yourself. So whatever happens on the fucking competition floor, that's your fault. And that's you have to own up to it. And that hurt me a lot after Columbia. And that's only one competition. Do you think that um owning that kind of failure yeah. helped you deal with it and kind of come back in training? Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, obviously after failure always comes a, um, it hurts. You learn from it, you move on. And then um, it depends on how, if you really want, like if you really want to express that failure and make sure that will never happen again. Like to me, what happened at Columbia was the fucking best thing that would happen to me because that will never fucking happen again. Yeah. You coming out to that stage like that. So that's why next time at going towards my next competition, I am like, if you watch back from my first competition compared to that one, I'm like a totally completely different person because I owned the stage walking out in um, Armenia. And I knew I was coming into metal. So that's how maybe I'm a bit, a bit more aggressive mentally from that failure before. Yeah. That's, I think that's exactly what I'm doing. If the European Juniors was at a terrible competition and then I was like, that can never, ever happen again. Yeah. You're just like, that's not something. That's a pure champion's mentality right there. So you can differentiate from an athlete. You can see by their results. You can, well, it happens obviously in waves up, down, up, down like this you peak your next competition always goes to shit if you look at any results it's always kind of the same but if you go really bad and if you don't climb up then there's got to do it with something mentally wrong with you then if you don't really believe you can achieve to the next level then yeah. I think it's funny like you you look at a competition like Columbia and you'll say um, that was the biggest disaster ever you know Yeah. and then when you look at what you get the outcome of it or you might look at European juniors in the same way the outcome of that might be oh I'm four times more mentally resilient than it was before. Yeah. In which case it's the most valuable competition and the most valuable money or time or training yeah. efforts you've ever spent. You know, it's just funny that the kind of perception we have at the time is this is the most negative thing ever. Yeah. Two years later, suddenly it, it's the most valuable training experience yeah. you've ever had. Like, especially with that, um, you know, like it just depends on you internally. Are you going to learn from it? Or are you going to just keep on letting it hurt you? Yeah. Like, unless if you learn from it, then you can move on and you make sure that it will never happen again, you know? But every athlete has to go through that, has to go through a bad competition to know what it feels like to be hurt and be like, holy shit, I never want to feel that low again. So you train and work hard to never make yourself feel like that. Well, that's me anyways. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like so aggressive when it comes to mindset. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> so who, uh, who is Coach? How does Coach come on the scene? Yes. So Coach is, I, I hate saying his name. What is it? Because it's so disrespectful. But his name is Faisal. He's from Malaysia. Um, Why is it disrespectful to? Um, I don't know. It's more of an Asian thing. If you meet somebody and he's your coach, you call them coach. Okay. Remember, we were talking about respect. It's all got to do with respect to the Asian cultures. Um, it would be probably a bit frowned upon if I called you by like own only and not be like 
uncle owner. So I don't know, you know. But uh, I only call him coach out of respect that um, I don't want to call him like just Weisel. He's from Malaysia. Um, so I found him through my brother. Okay. Isn't this such a coincidence? The universe again. <laughs> My brother's coach, I told my brother and I, th- I told my brother's coach that I am looking for a a Olympic coach and he says, get, uh, I'll get back to you. And then the next couple of days, he really did get back to me. That's crazy. And then I flew coach over, was supposed to be just a one month thing. And then after two weeks, I was like, you can't go home. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, you just can't go home. And obviously we had to talk about contracts and uh, wages and everything like that. So I said, like, I obviously mark him in the situation and I was like, right, will we do this? Yes or no? And the thing with me is if I do something, I give it 110%. I don't think I do. I don't do things by half arsed. So like I went all in without even knowing the concept and like the results of having a medal. I didn't know anything. But I went all in to start. Yeah. Tammy, maybe just for a second, you mentioned your brother there. For some people listening to this, they might know that your brother's also an elite athlete. Yes. Can you give us some background? Oh, sorry. Talking about my little brother. <laughs> um, my little brother, his name's Nat. He's a badminton player. Um, he's been to the Olympics and he won bronze at the junior Euros. He's won medals in the European stage before. So I have watched him growing up since he's six years old from being zero to an elite athlete, going into a system on Badminton Ireland that they have. So I watched him the way what he does, how he uh, for us to eat, his mentality, what it took him to get to the Olympics. So I kind of just copy and paste that a little bit to me yeah when you were growing up was there like severe sibling rivalry no I'm just so competitive <laughs> I said to him last not at all I said to him last night so he's going to the world championships now and I said um, make sure you get a good placing in that because I'm going to beat you <laughs> and he was like will you just shut the fuck up like I'm like yeah if you're if you come like 19th I won't come 15th so I'm waiting to see what his result is, but yeah. hopefully that it pushes him to like to do better Bounce because there's them. nothing worse when you're Barbie against family. Yeah. Yes. There's free. No, yeah. Nothing more close to the heart exactly. than just just edging it out. Exactly. Yes. So tell me, what was sport like for you when you were younger? For me, um, growing up, um, I was always involved in the sports. I did Irish dancing and a lot of different uh, sports, but um, I never found my sports. Um, I was told to join gymnastics and I'm a bit good. I didn't get to do gymnastics. I knew I would probably be really good at it because I'm small. Um, we couldn't afford a car, so I could never go to gymnastics class then. I did Irish dancing, uh, camogie, everything like that growing up but I never had that sport belonging to me. Like my brother had badminton. So um, I always was interested to go to the gym normally, you know, like the commercial gym. And I was just kind of copying on what people did. They were deadlifting and I was deadlifting, but I say my back was like the 
And I was squatting, hadn't a clue what I was doing, but I was still double uh, body weight squatting. Nice. I was, I think, about 40 kilos and I was squatting 80 kilos. Mm. I didn't know what was going on. And I think, I remember a man coming up to me and goes, holy shit, you're fucking strong. I'm like, <laughs> but I would see a girl in the gym squatting 70 kilos. I'm like, I'm going to squat 75. But that's just me, like, trying to make competitions to push myself a bit harder. <laughs> and how did weightlifting start then? Um, weightlifting started uh, when I was going to the gym and it kind of got to the point I'm like right okay I'm com- I'm getting bored of this shit now I'm doing the same thing over and over and squatting this and that again so I said that I looked up a CrossFit gym because just because I seen a girl she had like abs and I was like oh my god that girl the girl who had the abs so I messaged her and said what did you do she said she did CrossFit so then I looked up the local CrossFit gym I ended up going to CrossFit DSC in Finglas I walked in first and the first introduction he did snatch he showed me how to do a snatch the thing with me is you show me something I get it straight away he showed me snatch and I goes is this it and I snatch and he goes Holy shit, you're really good. <laughs> and I was like, what? And then this is a snatch there. And then um, he was like, you're really strong as well. So I think I was called like Pocket Rockets or something like that when I first started. Yeah. And then uh, one of my first ever coach was Warren Campion. I don't know if you know him. At least I don't know him. He kind of more into the CrossFit but he would know a small bit of technical got to do weightlifting and he said to me you should do a weightlifting um, you should do a weightlifting competition and I was like what is a weightlifting competition and then me being nosy I looked up the national records and this and I goes I can fucking do that so I remember I think my first ever competition I went in and I think I uh, qualified for junior euros where was that what year was in that? capital and I think it was 2014 oh that's in Cyprus was it or um, junior euros was Lithuania I think so yeah I can't read really, I think you went a couple of years before me yeah I went the year before that yeah yeah so that's uh, it was back then yeah so, so I, first ever competition and you yeah. qualify for junior euros yeah <laughs> How were your parents feeling about this at the time? Oh gosh, they go to me like, weightlifting is not a female sport. What are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know, I just like it. I just have an interest in this. And my mom was like, please be careful. I did come home with like, you know, like really swollen collarbones. And she was like, what are you doing to yourself? I'm like, I just love it so much. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know why, but um, yeah, that's how I got involved into weightlifting. Yeah, but my parents... Now they are really, really supporting me because they know how much effort and time I'm given to the sport and they try help as much as they can with the kids, especially. Are your parents close by to you? Oh yeah, five doors down. They're awesome. Great, yeah. <laughs> Walk across the road, drop the kids and they go to training. Class. Am I right in saying you used to work a little bit for your parents when you were younger? Yes. Um, so I had to grow up like really quickly and fast. Uh, so by the age of 15 I was managing a Chinese oh my god yeah but to me while going to school sorry while going to school while going to school yes I like in this moment right now I didn't really know what was going on back then but I was just told to do it my parents don't speak English 
unfortunately, if they don't speak English, what um, what can I do? I was always a translator in the house. So I was the bigger person, basically. Yeah, so they told me I had to manage it. So I had to manage it. That's crazy. What age did that start? Um, they opened the Chinese over when I was turning 15. Okay. So, yeah, my first experience of really working was when I was 15, nonstop. Had no choice. Like... This is this is a come back to Asian culture there again. If your mom says something, you fucking do it. Okay. There is no, there is no like. Um, am I allowed to curse you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Because the last time I was allowed to curse, I was like, no, not curse away. Sweet mad. Uh, but uh, yeah, I obviously I have a lot of respect for my parents. Um, obviously coming back down to like you know family orientated everything like that I'm very family orientated have a lot of respect for my parents if my parents tell me something I always respect them in every ways because obviously they raised me to be the person I am now so um, yeah they, if they told me to do that I would do it yeah and were you always translating yeah. as you were younger before that since, probably since I first came over here when I was six okay oh my god I had a really weird going up past like yeah, probably fucked up <laughs> not myself sorry that's probably a strong word to say full like, on maybe it's yeah full like... on but what I experienced from a child going up was possibly a person in their 20s moving to the 30s yeah it's crazy yeah probably what you're going through right now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I experienced all that as I was growing up yeah my parents didn't know English. Uh, first came out with my dad, they didn't know English. And I remember I didn't know English myself, but I still had to translate. How did you learn English? Keep on talking. That's crazy. I, the funny thing is when I first came here to Ireland, I had zero word of English. And you just picked up on it? Yeah. Holy shit. That what did you crazy. do when you were all here and no one speaking English? I don't know. That is mad. Absolutely. Crazy. Yeah, and that's like, do you know the way you went to Tokyo, um, Japan? Yeah. That's like a new culture to you, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. 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 So that's why I, it was like me from an Asian culture coming over to here is so different. Mm. You going back over there is so different, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So it was the complete opposite. And like The big difference is now we went there as adults and we had Google Translate. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh yeah, Google Translate. I yeah, forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like that the intensity has made you or yes. kind of Absolutely. burned you into kind of what you are at the moment? Yes, one thousand percent. If I hadn't have gone through what I did as younger, like I can't really explain um the hardship that I have been through since I was younger. Like since I was six. Um Sorry, I get really like talking about my past. I don't know where to start. Basically, like, um, did you realize it at the time? Were you ever? No. Like, this is, this Again, is I felt numb, not not knowing what's going on. So, uh, let's give you an in depth of my past, and you probably need to give me a bit of time because this really I don't really talk about this, and this really gets me personally. But I want to share my story. And not a lot of people know my story. They think this girl has two kids, married, has all the businesses. She has a nice car, home, this and that. I worked hard every fucking day to earn that. 
And that all comes back because I never had anything grown up. And obviously that's going through hardship. So when I first came over here, it was myself and my dad. And sorry, you just have to give me time with this. Absolutely. Um, so when I first came over here with my dad, I we didn't have a lot of things. I think we were moved around a lot. I say every month we were living different houses, different apartments to kind of get the most cheapest rent. Um, I didn't really know what was going on, but I just had to follow. My dad didn't know English. I didn't know English. I had to translate. My dad has two, three jobs and he works morning, noon and night. Jeez. And me as a six, seven year old, I had to mind myself back in the apartment or where I was watching. <laughs> Sorry. Um, can I have a tissue? Yeah, absolutely. Just, um, watching, we had a CD of like Snow White and I watched that over and over and over again. And I didn't really know what was going on, but at that time, I just had to keep going. Wow. And I remember I was really lonely and there was no phones back then. Like, you know the way you have phones now and you're on your phone? Yep. So I was like sitting in the house just watching Snow White over and over and over again. And I didn't really know what was going on. But it was a tough, tough time. My dad couldn't afford a car. And I think he was cycling everywhere. I remember we couldn't afford for clothes. We couldn't afford for food. And my only treat ever to ever see them mini Kit Kat bars yes yeah <laughs> that was my only mini ever treat like this is why like I don't speak about this often and when I do I get really like upset about it because I was really upset back then as a kid but I never ever would resemble my like that's how it resents Resent, yeah. my parents because I'm grateful that I'm living in a new country, basically. So I never had anything. And then I remember one day he was cycling on a bike. It was fucking lashing rain and now. You know, the way Ireland, um, there was lashing rain and now. I was drenched. Couldn't afford a raincoat. And I was wearing the same jacket for like weeks and weeks. I remember... And looking at a person next to me in the car, and he got, and I looked and I was like, I wish one day we had a car. But I said, like, I wish one day we had a car. And I felt how my dad was like hurting because he was trying to give me a new life, you know. And I said, I never want my kids to be like this. But I never would like resent my parents for making me feel like this no ever way. But I will never make my kids like this, basically. So I worked hard every single day to make sure that my family, there's always a full fridge all the fucking time. You go to my house, there's always a full fridge. You like for whatever you want for dinner to make sure that you have it for dinner. I worked hard to earn even like to this gym here. Like I worked hard for us. But all because 
I was, well, I'd never had anything growing up, never. And that's my story. That's how I became so, so successful. But I wouldn't call it so, so successful. I would call it. I definitely would. Would you call it? Absolutely. I don't, are you crying? No, you get a whole job. <laughs> but, um, like, I never had anything. So that's why I'm, I'm so aggressive. And I know what it takes to get to somebody as uh, somewhere. Yeah. You know, like. Do you think when you think of your kids growing up and are you thinking about the balance between giving them a really fruitful kind of life or do you think about, you see how you've turned out with some hardship, do you think about how you'd balance that with them? Yeah, um, they still go to Vietnam now. They, I dress my kids in the ugliest clothes. I Believe it or not, I don't dress them in the best of the best clothes. I don't do that. Um, they always have odd shoes on or something like that. And baby Mark wears Lily's clothes. And they they don't dress or be treated in any way as they come from, like they have money or anything like that. And I teach them, even to this now, if Lily wants something in the shop, I literally tell her, mommy has no money. And that's what my dad told me. And she didn't really understand it at the start. So like, she's like, what's money? So I was trying to explain her now. This is only a four-year-old. Yeah. Well, four-year-old is going to demand things of you all the time. They will throw tantrums when you're at um, Tesco just to get something. But I just walk away and I tell them, mommy has no money. And she's like, why, what's money? And I have obviously drilled into them now. You have to work in order for you to get money. So mommy is going to training now to work to get money. And then when we, after finish working the end of the week, or when we have more money, then you get a treat. Oh, okay. I like that, yeah. So I'm teaching her now. So even the likes of, I know this is only a little kid, but if she she um, tidies, uh, tidies up her toys, we're like, look, if you start working now, tidy up your toys, you give you a euro. You know, and she ties these up her toys straight away and she knows when the ice cream van is going to come. So there's one day when the ice cream man came and she's like, Mommy, I want money. I'm like, I have no money. You didn't tidy up your toys today. So she says like, oh, okay. So I goes, look, you tidy your toys tomorrow. I will give you a euro and then you can get your ice cream. But it's probably be a bit much for a four-year-old, but you kind of have to tell them that, that it's just not given to you yeah, you yeah. know so that's you're, the way I believe it so that you're kind of making it into more relatable situations for them you know yes absolutely and they go back to Vietnam and obviously like when you go back to Vietnam you're going to see like the worst uh, of everything like you know not a lot of people it's poverty so they actually see that going back to Vietnam already they don't just see all the luxuries over here I think about um, when I'm younger, I had a pretty great childhood. You know, I worked on a farm, mm-hmm. uh, I drilled the rudders, but, you know, I had, uh, in comparison to what you experienced, mm-hmm. mine was like the best childhood ever, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when you're a child, you're like, oh, that's terrible. I'd be, I don't know, feeding cows or something, you know. But in reality, it's like, it's unbelievable, you know. Yeah. Now I'm trying to figure out my own kids that, like, how can I recreate the good parts of that, you know? Yeah, like, Coming from a parent to a parent, I have 
always sorry Dara Dara's like what is this <laughs> you'll know soon yeah um, coming from a parent to a parent and I have asked my parents this uh, they says it doesn't matter what your kids want to do you just have to make sure you support them number yeah. one always be there for them and she, they do, you don't know what the future will hold yeah. but as long as monkey see monkey do yeah if you if you smoke your kids are probably gonna end up smoking if you drink your kids are uh, probably drinking if you train all the time they're probably gonna go into training with you they will they copy exactly the same like so I'm exactly the same boat as you but I try to be the best mother that I could be and always happy to them Mm -hmm. so they're always happy as well and one definitely thing is I always I make sure manners are drilled into them. Thank you, please. Everything like that because you can't buy that anywhere. Yeah. I would slap the shit on my kids if they're like, you know, not saying thank you. But even now, like my two-year-old walking out of the door, seeing my neighbour, first thing he does is, hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just because you have drilled that into your kids. <laughs> Do you get me? Yeah. Like, now he's it's just second nature to him to say hello to everybody else first but that just comes with an Asian culture again yeah we were only talking about on the way down about uh, your parents not pushing you you know I was saying my father never cared what we did as long as it wasn't something in trouble but not in a like a negligent way it was like a, mm. a very supportive 100% free way you know like there was no we were never pushed to do anything but at the same time, I remember seeing all my brothers and my father and my mother working really hard all the yeah. time. Yeah. So I remember at points where I was like, Jesus, am I really lazy? Because yeah. I wasn't doing as much things as they were doing. You know? yeah. yeah, of course. Like if you're, you know, I can only relate to my life and everyone has their own story to theirs um, to get me. But me seeing my mom and dad work so, so hard. I still this day want to get them out of retirement I want to find a way that I'm like here ma'am here's money just please stop working as Chinese seven days a week I still want that I wanted to take my parents out of retirement and give them a an opportunity they're still working their ass off seven days a week well mind my kids out during the day and then working in the Chinese till one or two o'clock in the morning so I'm like, I'm trying to, hopefully after this comes a way that I can take them out of retirement. Do you ever hear that story of uh, people that are like, here's a hundred grand, like take, uh, like here's your mortgage being paid. Yeah. yeah. I want to do that to my parents. But I want to do that, but I don't know when I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. So I want to let the universe let it come around again. Let it come around again. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Possibly, maybe I qualify for the Olympics and be the first person to qualify for the Olympics. I get this massive paycheck or whatever, and that's got to go to my parents, and that probably would buy them out the Chinese. Amazing. That's one of my goals is to buy them out as well. Yeah, it's absolutely unreal. So. Having talked about working hard, yeah. I think an aspect we haven't talked about yet is the fact that you're a very successful entrepreneur. Yeah. And the businesses you have, 
Kind of successful. <laughs> this is yet again underplayed. But can you talk to us about like the businesses you've had, about the businesses you're running now are? So um, I oh, I have Tammy Lash, which is we do eyelashes in the salon. We have CrossFit Bald Oil, which obviously we're in the location here. Uh, that's across the gym. And also we own Complex Wear, which is Complex here, which is the clothing range. So at the moment now, I'm a full-time athlete. I can only be where I could at a certain day and certain time. So complex to me now, I'm just kind of, I have still have the stock there and I have the old range and that's still kind of going by itself. I'm waiting until I'm finishing the qualifiers to be able to put all my time and effort into that. And that's going to, I'm going to literally bring out a complete new range and complete like rebranding altogether. Um, Tammy Lash is my, is it, what's what you call it? Bread and butter, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my baby. Um, I started off when I was 20 and I literally, yeah, like we are, we were one of the first ever salons to start doing eyelashes and we still are. And I teach courses with that still. Um, that business is really, really successful. And the second, obviously the third here is CrossFit Bald Oil. Uh, we're based in um, Bald Oil, obviously, and it's a, a CrossFit gym ran. We have coaches to work for us. We don't have to work in here. Great members. Everyone's great. Honestly, like I feel like I'm very grounded and I have very, like I'm full of gratitude that this opportunity was given to me. I'm on the real. Sorry. <laughs> Are you getting emotional? No, that's... Are you getting most of it? Impressive, yeah. Is it? I don't try to fix, by the way. <laughs> Girl, we need to set up three more businesses. No, you don't. I have to set up three more businesses, but like I have goals and I love setting tasks out and reaching goals. It's like a complete dopamine release effect that you, you're addicted to that uh, reaching a goal. I have a goal every single day coming into training. If I don't reach that goal, that annoys the shit out of me. So I had that goal of that 80 push press today and I was going for that 80 push press without coach even knowing or not. It's funny, as you were warming up, you're like, yeah, it's 75. And then you didn't say anything. And then I was like, that's definitely 80 kilos. And you did it and you were like, yeah, no, I'm delighted because that was 80 and not 75. Yeah. Yeah, so like coach gives me the like the program on what I should be doing. But I'm always doing more because I believe that. So obviously sometimes less is more, but at the phase that I'm in there now, I am pushing for numbers all the time. I'm not competing with people in nationals in Ireland. I'm competing with people that are in training centers. I don't know what they're doing. So I can roughly like if I if coach says to me like 90 kilos I'll push for 95 because they're probably what that's what they're doing over in their country and I should be doing that as well that's the way I think yeah what on the specifics of weightlifting what yeah. kind of stuff has coach working on at the moment for you what are you kind of focusing on in terms of technique first um so strength, I've always had strength. My strength is so, so high. It's up to where nearly it's top 10 are right now. Can't give you numbers, but I know where my numbers are now. Um, in the likes of strength, my only slack, uh, my only lack in is movement. 
because I took a bit of time out. My movement, kind of, I kind of forgotten about the movement. And lately, like lately in training, I have finally taken that box in the movement. My worst uh, movement is the snatch. And you know something just clicked. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously it takes time to click. And I go, I think I have a coach. And so I finally figured out that snatch movement. I was always doing it before, but now I really know how to do it. So if I can tap into my strength and put that movement together, just give me a bit more time, that's gonna literally go up to something, you know? Yeah, so that coach has been working on me, but uh, there's a lot more to it. Like he's built my strength up so as well. So at first he believed that you're not gonna go anywhere without strength. So obviously my squat and pulls has to go up really, really high. Um, and yeah, like just raw natural strength. I had to build that up first. Speed and explosive comes afterwards then. So we worked on that. And then, yeah, now so just trying to combine both of that together, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Tammy, where's the best place if people want to watch you training, if they want to see what you're up to? Um, so I train in CrossFit Baldoyle in my own gym and um, I'm I'm not as active on social media as I should be. I'm trying to be now. My, um, who's at my agent, Keith, and like, you have to keep a load more. But uh, I'm mostly active in CrossFit Baldoyle and you can catch me. Is it catch me? <laughs> you can get me on Instagram uh, most of the times. So yeah. Brilliant. Tammy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Guys, I'm so grateful that you guys have given me this opportunity to, like, you know, tell my story. No, you've earned this. But, uh, you know, but, uh, you put it on the line. One of the big things we wanted to get was the, the self-made aspect, you know, because as hard as it is to be an athlete in somewhere like maybe Kazakhstan or China where it's incredibly competitive, mm-hmm. you know, and your, your position is on the line all the time, you're still in a very well-oiled, well-funded system yeah. and everything is handed to you, you know, mm. whereas you put yourself in that situation. Yeah. Entirely by yourself, you know, in terms of the, the direction. And obviously you have a good support network like you talked about, but you are... Self-funded. Um, yeah, self-funded. Yeah. No funding from uh, Weightlifting Ireland or the Sports Council. I know you've got some now. Yeah. Uh, but you didn't have... Now it's like, it's a uh, pat in the back after. Yeah. If you never... You would have... The idea of getting there without funding is crazy. You know, it's uh, getting yeah. funding after you've got there is kind of stupid because how would you ever get there without that funding? You know, and the fact yeah. that you did it is a bit of a miracle. It's the yeah. reason you're the first senior medalist in weightlifting Ireland. Yeah. And the thing is, my coach has told me over and over that nothing is impossible. Let's remove me and let's not talk about like in my situation now. But he's like, you come back from weightlifting after two kids, three years out, you went out the first Olympic qualifiers and got a fucking medal. And he goes, like, if that's, if you believe like nothing is impossible, just try believe that, you know, like nothing is impossible. Mm-hmm. If you believe like, oh my God, that's impossible to do, well, then you're not going to do it. So part of all the reason my coach is like, you know, has drilled it into me and my mentality you know, trying to get that champions mentality into me over and over and over again. 
but um yeah like I'm very grateful that you guys have given me obviously to tell my story and uh, like obviously hopefully I get more fans you know when I cross like and they they like me for me you know the way some people have a really lovely snatch and lovely clean and jerk they're so aggressive and they're so powerful but I want people to love me and know me as a lifter for me not I know like obviously with strength and uh, clean jerk and snatch and all that but um, I can hopefully I can resemble in their life in some way you know in that character way no doubt yeah thanks so much thank Thank you so much thank you